theyeshiva.net. Welcome, everybody. And thank you so much for joining us this beautiful Sunday morning. Tasnissen Tovshin Peibes. 9th of Nissen, 5782, April 10, 2022. I want to thank again, especially the Pearson family, for dedicating this series of four classes in honor and in loving memory of their beloved and unforgettable grandfather, Rav Chassid Reb David Ben Harav Reb Ben Harav Chassid Reb Yaakov Yosef Raskin Reb David Raskin of blessed memory, a tribute to his birthday on the twelfth of Nissan, and his yard site next month on the seventh of Eir Tehenish Masitzrura. Thank you very, very much. And this is the second class in our series on a discourse, a mimer, that was presented by the Lubavitcher Rebbe on Yud Aleph Nissen, Tavshin Lamed Aleph, the 11th of Nissen, 1971, April 71, which was later edited by the Rebbe and published for, Yud, for the Yud Aleph Nissen, 11th of Nissen, Tavshin Memtes, 1989. And the mimer begins with the Pasuk, in Parshas Nasi, B'yoyim Ashtei Aser, Yoyim Nasi L'bnei Asher, discussing the offerings that the tribe of Asher, the leader of the tribe of Asher, brought on the 11th day of Nisan, B'yoyim Ashtei Aser, Yoyim, in honor of the inauguration of the Mishkan, discussing a complex and fascinating medrash on that Pasuk, which we did in the first class. Now we continue with the second class. We are up to Se'if Hay in the Maimer the fifth chapter of the Mimer. If you go to your source sheets, if you're on Zoom, I put the source sheets in the chat. If you go to theyeshiva.net, T-H-E-Y-E-S-H-I-V-A.net, you'll see on top you have this class with the source sheets. Or you can uh, you can type in <coughs> excuse me, and find the source sheets so you can open it up. On the right of the video, you can open the source sheet. Below the video, you can download the source sheets on your computer. And um, um, we have it also in English, the whole mimer in English in these source sheets. I also want to thank Chabad.org. I want to thank COL Live. I want to thank the yeshiva.net, all of who are streaming the the mimer, the class. I would also thank YouTube, but I don't know. <laughs> it's big, so. <laughs> so. In this Maimer, and I think it's worthwhile to say that this Maimer by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, which is based on some fundamental Maimarim, some fundamental discourses of his predecessors in the dynasty of Chabad, beginning with the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, and even a great teaching of the Balshemtiv, who the Alter Rebbe used to refer to as the Zaydim, my spiritual grandfather, contains some very fundamental ideas in Chassidus in generally, Chassidus in general, particularly in Chabad Chassidus. Some of the very foundational and central ideas that capture some of the main points and messages in Chabad Chassidus are conveyed in this Maimah, as we will see as we move on. Let's remind ourselves the evolution of the conversation here. The Lubavitcher Rebbe quoted a Medrash in order to explain the concept he wants to explain, and you could go back to the first class to review the details. I just want to get straight to the point so we can move on. We have a lot of work. 
This is a long Maimer, it's a complicated Maimer, it's a nuanced Maimer, it's a fundamental Maimer, and it has so many layers, and it's extremely profound on many levels. So I really want to get straight into it, because we have a lot of a lot to cover and a lot of work to do. This is a Maimer you could learn again and again and again, especially with the footnotes. I didn't do the footnotes because of time constraints. And the references, there's so many different references to many Svarim in different... Uh, Different uh, in different chapters, so I encourage you that you should learn it again and review it. And you have between this class and the third class, you have a whole day, so you could review and you can also make a learning and prepare. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe quoted a medrash. It's a fascinating medrash in Eicha Rabba. Eicha Rabba means medrash Rabba of the book of Eicha, the Yirmiyah Novi's lamentations that we read on Tisha B'av Yehofik L'Simcha. Yirmiyah Novi in the height and in the midst of the darkness that engulfs him and the Jewish people. Remember, Jeremiah the prophet was the prophet who saw the Beis HaMikdash go up in flames. He saw the end. He saw Jerusalem coming down. He saw Nebuchadnezzar completely destroying Jewish sovereignty. He saw Nebuchadnezzar's successes. And he warned about it years before. And in the heart-wrenching book of Eicha, that we read on Tisha B'av, but if you don't uh, know the Hebrew, you sometimes just read the words, you don't really get it. But it's a heart-wrenching book. In chapter 3, he he declares, his heart screams out, Chelki Hashem Amra Nafshi. My soul says, my soul declares, Chelki, my lot in life, my chelik, my portion in life is God. So Rebavohu, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, so you're talking here about some of the great Talmudic sages of the time, Rebavohu says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, I want to give a metaphor. I want to give a parable to explain this. And what's the parable? The parable is there was a king, there was a monarch, and he arrived to his country with a great entourage. And the Medrash enumerates three types of personalities that accompanied the king. Duchsin, Ifrichin, Istratilutin, dukes, governors, and military commanders, military generals. And the G'dayle Yamedina, and they all came with the king. And the G'dayle Yamedina, the great personalities of the country that welcomed the king, got into a conversation, a little debate. One of them said, I'm going to choose as a patron, I'm going to choose the duke. And the other one said, Nah, I'm going to choose the governor. Much better investment. And the other one said, Neh, nasiv is I'm going to choose. Nasiv means I'm going to take, I'm going to choose. It's like marriage in Aramaic, it's also called Nasiv, right? Nechais Dargan is Soiv Isisa, because the, the Torah describes marriage as Kiyikach Ish Isha, in Parshas Kiseitse, when a man takes. Now we have to understand what the word takes means. Takes doesn't mean you physically take, you can't take a person. You have to be able to talk to a person. But it represents the concept of entering into a connection, cultivating a connection. So Nasiv is, I'm going to take the military commander. I'm going to become connected to him. And then the Medrash says, Rabbi Yechina There was one person who was truly wise. And he said, I'm going to choose the king. Why? All of them are expendable. All of them can be exchanged. They all can all be replaced. The king won't be replaced. So I'm going to take the king. And Rabbi Yochanan says, that's the metaphor. 
That's the parable. You have those who worship the sun. You have those who worship the moon. You have those who worship rocks. You have those who worship wood. Wood and rocks, those are the three. Sun, moon, wood, rocks. And obviously they parallel the duke and the military and the, and the, and the governor and the military commander. Chama, Levana, Eitz, Ve'evan. And the Jewish people, they say, Chelki Hashem Amra Nafshi. Anonos of Malk. That's why they declare twice a day, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekein Hashem And the Rebbe brought the question, already quoting, it's a question from the Tzamech Tzedek. Tzamech Tzedek said, you really need a pikeach, you really need a wise person to be able to tell you to choose, if you have an opportunity, <laughs> to choose the king over the, over the duke or over the military commander. Even a child would understand it. You don't have to be very smart. Even a fool would understand it. Even a little child would understand it. it seems like to be a, a very intelligent debate. And second of all, the reasoning seems flawed. Let's say the Duke won't be changed tomorrow. Let's say he's, let's say he has a, the, he's going to be there for life. Still, the king is a different level. So the Rebbe went into a long explanation. Now, this explanation evolves throughout the Mimer. To the point, I'm just saying this now as an intro, later I'm going to summarize. You should just get to see how large the picture is. He discusses this Medrash on six different levels. We usually have the four levels of Pshat, Remez, Drush, Sod. Here you have that too. Pshat, Remez, But you have within it, you have six levels of explaining this Medrash. What do I mean six levels? We discussed already the first three. And now we're going to go to the next three. What do I mean on six different levels? What exactly is the debate? The first level the Rebbe explained was based on the Rambam Hilchis Avedah Zodah, what Avedah Zodah was. And based on that long explanation in the Maimah from the Tzemach on this, in Derech Hamshusech Bris Miller, which is also based on the Rambam. And that is, that initially the Rambam says that when people started to engage in Avedah Zodah, it didn't begin as a rebellion against truth. No! It actually began as part of Avaidus Hashem. It's very important to understand this. Avaidus Hashem didn't begin pagan idolatry, atheism, there's no God. No, it began as part of Avaidus Hashem. The Rambam puts it in Hilchis Avaidus Hashem, the first chapter, is a long history about idolatry. The Rambam says, people said, if God chooses intermediaries with which to run the world, you have to say thank you. <laughs> You have to honor them. You have to say thank you. I have a question. A mailman comes to the door, yeah, and delivers you a package. Somebody comes from UPS. Somebody comes from FedEx. Somebody comes comes from Amazon Prime. Do you say thank you? You say thank you. Why do you say thank you? <laughs> well, it's there. They're getting paid for it. <laughs> it's not their package. They were hired by somebody. So what? But they're the messenger, they're the instruments. They delivered it. Like we spoke, you say thank you to the waiter. Doesn't mean the wine is his. That, was, that seemed like a very sophisticated perception. Thank the sun, thank the moon, thank the stars, and thank all the inter- inter- intermediaries. What's more, if God shows them, probably there's something there. <laughs> there's something there. Whereas he says, they have choice. And by thanking them, you'll also gain more. You get better service. (laughs) 
the waiter is going to give you a little more. He's going to bring you the food first. Maybe he'll, he'll add a few stuff on the plate. That's how it began. So yeah, Hashem runs the world, but he does it through many waiters, through many instruments, through many delivery men, through many, many forces of nature, including people, including forces of nature. So you say thank you. And slowly, a whole culture around that thank you developed. And that culture, the Rambam says, ultimately led to a place where they started to say, Hashem wants you should worship this star and galaxy and cultivate a relationship with it until, until it reached a point, as he says, it reached a point, God is gone. Even if God created the world and God gave them the power, he's still he's the God of gods. He could fire them. But he already gave over the company to somebody else. Hashem is, he doesn't have time for this. He doesn't have mental space for this. What does he have with a little tiny planet? I'm a sugar planet or a cosmos. Cosmos could be 28 billion light years, but God is bigger. Sometimes it even came from understanding that God is too big for this. He's, uh, he's going to deal with my uh, nitty gritty details. Doesn't have to do. You're going to go to the prime minister of a country or the king or the president of, 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 of a country and, uh, and start asking him to deal with a leak in your, in your, in your basement. <laughs> there's an apparatus, there's a system the king can't deal with. It. He doesn't even know about it. Can he fire them? He could fire them. But this is how things evolved. And if you honor them, you're going to get much more because they run the show. Even if there's two levels, you see, one level is they're like waiters, they don't run the show, but they have a choice. And they can add a little bit. Another perception is, a more brute perception is, that they mamash with the show. Even though Hashem is the boss and he appointed them, just like a king. A king appoints a minister or gives people certain responsibilities and he delegates it. Once in a while, you could call me in once a year and consult me. It happens in every company. A successful company, you can't control everything. You can't be a micromanager, right? People who micromanage everything, they're control freaks, they can't grow have to approve every light bulb that gets changed, yeah? You know such people, right? We have somebody on the Zoom who runs a big company, yeah, but half the year he's away. He gives it over to people, he trusts them. Once in a while, call me in for a board meeting, and fine, I'll consult. And you know what? Sometimes real bosses realize that when they're not there, it's much more successful. Azav Hashem so for this you need a pikhas. What's the pikhas? The pikhas is that this is all nice with a company. And it's all nice with a country. When it comes to reality, to the universe, everything is kegaizim b'yadachaitzav. Everything is an axe in the hand of the chopper. And you don't thank the axe. And the reason you don't say, thank the axe, and you don't thank the drill, and you don't thank the hammer, and you don't thank the nail, and you don't thank <laughs> the hatchet, the reason is you don't thank the plier, plier, you don't thank the screwdriver. It's not because the screwdriver wasn't used, it was used. But because the screwdriver is considered lifeless, it doesn't have pchir, it doesn't have choice. It's not giving you more or less. It's all from the person who used the screwdriver and used the hammer. And therefore you thank that person because this is a, just a complete instrument. Kegarzen, like an axe. And the Jew understood that that's the world. 
You have a relationship directly with Hashem 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, including this moment. Like it says in Tanya, Perik Hashem Mitzvah I say Hashem is big, Hashem is exalted. That everyone said, put him that year, put him Lamed Aleph, put him 91. That Amalek is the numerical value of 240. Kuf is 100, and Ayin is 70, and Mem is 40, so that's 210, and another Lamed is 240. 240 is the word Ram. What does Ram mean? Big, exalted, aloof, sublime. We say in Halal, Ram al Kolgoyim Hashem. Right? God is so big, is so exalted. Why is that the Gematria Amalek? Why is that the Gematria Amalek? So the Rebbe said, that's what Amalek says. Amalek says, you think that the Rebbeinu Shalom, this is the example the Rebbe gave them, put him. He said, you think Hashem cares. I ate fleshings. And I waited five hours and 59 minutes. You're going to tell me that God cares if I wait another minute before I eat milchiks. Amalek says, it's this, it's it's disgusting. <laughs> you guys don't respect Hashem. This was the Rebbe's marshal. Finev shown nine and fiftzik minut, fiftzik nine minut. The Eibush the hotnish vasatani has nothing to do but to wait. Ooh, six hours. You didn't wait six hours till you ate mitzvah Shabbos milchiks. It's insulting. Ram Amalek says Ram is big. He's exalted. We say in the Hallel, the first chapter, What's our response? Tovar HaMelech responds. This is how Chassidus explains it. The Balatanya explains it. Hashem is higher from being higher. And therefore, He can humble Himself and see heaven and earth. It's a conversation in Hallel. The great philosopher said, Hashem is exalted. He belongs in heaven. The Jew says, God is higher than heaven too. Hashem is infinitely removed from heaven like he's infinitely removed from earth. Just like you can't call God physically, you can't call him spiritual either. What makes him more spiritual than physical? Spirituality is also a definition. He's not physical, he's also not spiritual. He's beyond being spiritual as well. Therefore, Hamashpili. Therefore, he can come down and humble himself. Lira is Bashamayim of Arts. And therefore, Mikimi may offer dal may ashpois yarimavian. There's no such a thing, I'm in the dumps, I'm in the garbage, and therefore I'm removed. Mikimi may offer dal. He lifts up from the earth, from the dust, the dal, the person who is poverty stricken, the person who is humble. May Ashpois from the dumps, from the garbage, Yarim Evian, he lifts up the destitute. Soon Pesach is coming, we're going to say Halal. So therefore, I'm, I'm focusing on these words of Halal. I mentioned yesterday in the Shabbos Hagadu Drosha that uh, there was a big simcha this week in Monsi. On Wednesday morning, I believe the first Jewish boy was born in the world with a uterus transplant. A woman who came into the world without a rechem, without a womb. And a few years ago, they developed this new incredible medical, this medical miracle of a uterus transplant. 
and this Wednesday a boy was born healthy from the mother and the father based on this. So Judaism says there's no such a thing, oh, this is a small thing in life. You talk to Hashem about it too. You're always in a relationship, and every detail is part of that relationship. Ah, there's so many things going on in the world, it's kegars and be'yad That's the pikchus of the Jewish people. That's one level. And in this one level, we already had two details, right? There's the perception that God completely delegated it to the forces of nature. There's the second perception. He didn't delegate it completely, but they also have input. They have a choice. They have a say. They're waiters. That's already more subtle. The Jewish people rejected both. And they said, Anonas of Malka. Now we understand why you need pikras, because you have to be able to see the pinimius. When you look externally, it looks like my boss runs the show, this one runs the show, that one runs the show. That ability to be able to see, like Esther. Esther, when she had to go to Achashverosh, she and Mordechai understood Achashverosh is not running the show. So why do you have to go to him? You have to go to him because God chose a system of how he is running the world through Achashverosh. But the main thing is not Achashverosh. Achashverosh is not going to decide whether the Jews are going to live or die. God is going to decide. So Esther says, let me fast, and then I'll go to Achashverosh. I'm going to Achashverosh only because Hashem says, I want you to go, the flow comes through these tools, through these instruments, just like you build a sukkah with a hammer. But it's not the hammer that builds it. And therefore, everything is really just a manifestation of divine energy. Then we went to level number three. What was level number three? You remember level number three? One, one, one step deeper. The wisdom of the pikeach is much deeper than this. What's the deeper element? Because something is still unclear, because in the metaphor, the duke does have a choice, does choose to worship the king, does choose to work for the king, and could give you some stipends and some extra, some extra stuff that the king won't give you. And the governor can give you some extra stuff. And the military commander can do things. They have some independence in their orbit. They work for the king, but they have independence. They make decisions. They have pchira. They're autonomous to some level. It's like the manager in the company or the CEO. He may have a boss. He may be fired next year, but he still has power. That's the metaphor. So we have to say that Ebba says that it's much deeper. What do we mean that it's much deeper? It's not just that the Jew understands that nothing really has a choice. Nothing, 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 nothing has pchira. So therefore, of course you choose the boss. The metaphor of Rabbi Yochanan teaches us that the reason that the nations, the pagans, were worshipping the sun and the moon and the Jews were worshipping Hashem is not just because they make a mistake. They thought that the stars and the galaxies and the planets and the forces of nature make a choice and they have power. And the Jews understood not. It's much deeper than that. It's because by many, the main thing was that they wanted hashpo. They wanted the flow. He says, and by the Jew, the main thing is, I want to be with the king. And here the Rebbe introduced a new idea. And what's this new idea? The Zoyar says that if you want to receive stuff through klippa, through unholiness, it's for free. It's for free. 
It doesn't cost a lot of money. What do we mean money here? We're not talking here about the green dollar necessarily. We're talking here about, I don't have to pay a real price. Sitra, Akhira, Tuma, Klippa, all the forces that are antithetical to holiness and oneness, they're ready to give you things for free. <laughs> they want you in. And the reason they want you in is, they want you in not because they're selfless, but because the best catch is to get a Jewish soul. Because <laughs> if you can get a Jewish soul, so you get the energy, the whole chiyos, so they want it. So they give you everything for free. It's like the robbers, the thugs, capture the prince who has so much access and uh, they could put him up for ransom. This is the person you want to invest in. You don't want to invest in Torshnar. A Jewish soul, when Klippa gets it, it's very powerful because all of its divine energy could now be used for the Klippa, for the unholiness. So they're doing it for their own oxygen. They want extra chios. So they take a big soul the big soul thinks he needs the clip. He doesn't realize that the clipper needs him and they're just using him and squeezing him out for all his juice. And then when they're done with you, they throw you under the bus. We explain this at length, how addiction works. It's always all these addictions, all these cravings, all the distractions from truth. It's always free. It's fast. It's, it's instant gratification and it's fast and it's easy and it's a quick fix and you feel good. With Kedush, it doesn't work like that. With Gdusha, every relationship comes with avoida. You have to earn it and you have to work on it. And I explain the difference between a real marriage and a fake marriage. A marriage where two people work on the relationship and a marriage where you go to clubs and you go to places. It's not a marriage. You go into relationships that seem very promising, but there's nothing really there besides gratification that lasts a week, a month, a year, two years, three years, until things plots. Why is it that way? The reason is, the Zoyer says this, because in holiness, everything needs to be internalized. It's real. And if it's real, I have to be open to it. I have to be a keli to it. So you have to prepare the vessel. You have to be there. I have to work through my stuff. Fake relationships, I don't have to work through anything. It's just a high. It's like a person taking a drug. I'm in a bad mood, I take a drug every day. Now, again, sometimes a person needs something as a supplement, whether it's a vitamin or sometimes a person needs medication, but it's all because you're trying to live a life that's normal and integrated. It's not because I'm trying to run away from myself. Philosophically, sometimes a person has a chemical imbalance or a person has a disorder, so the doctor who is responsible knows sometimes a medication is necessary. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a philosophy of life where I'm, I'm, I'm living in distractions, I have a void, I go into distractions. So the Rebbe says, that's why they wanted to go to Kechavim Amazalas. Why in the Tanakh are the Jews so busy with idolatry? Because through the idolatry, they managed to cultivate a relationship with those axes. It's all guys and the but Hashem through Klippe, Klippe, when you choose to get from Klippe, it's much easier. You don't need Bittel, you don't need Avoid. And then the Rebbe says one thing more. They also give more. <laughs> they give much more you'll notice that with addiction and fake relationships and quick fixes, you get much more, much faster, much easier. And why do they give more? This is very heavy, because they get their energy from makif, not from pnimi. 
I explained it, at, I explained it last time. The key is, I'm just going to say it in 20 seconds. Everything comes from Hashem. Like we said before, even Klippa doesn't have its own life. It's also Hashem. The difference between Kedusha and Klippa is in Kedusha, the relationship with Hashem is conscious. In other words, Kedusha is transparent. Kedusha is open. Kedusha says, my eye is a conduit for the divine eye. Klippa is a shell. It's a husk. What does a husk mean? A husk means I eclipse the energy in me. I don't acknowledge, my eye doesn't acknowledge itself as a continuum of Hashem. So where does it get the energy from? It gets it from what's called makif. Makif means a higher level of infinite light that's not integrated in the vessel of Klippa and therefore the conscious eye of Klippa could be a contradiction to the very energy from which it lives. Did you guys understand what I just said? <laughs> okay, somebody's honest. <laughs> I'll say it once more. You have to think about it. I don't want to dedicate the whole shit to this, even though we can, because we're not gonna. I want to. I want to move on. But this is a this is a key point. The de- no problem. The definition of holiness is what's holiness. Holiness means anything that expresses the truth of einoid malvado of oneness. What's the word klipa? The word klipa means a husk, a cover up, a shalach, a shell. It eclipses the truth of Hashem's oneness. But how can it? Everything is Hashem. You can't live without God's oxygen. There's not a single atom in the world, there's not a single cell, there's not a single neuron that is not invigorated every moment and created and sustained and is not a manifestation of divine energy. The whole world is divine energy. There's no separate world. It's all one. It says, the glory of God will be revealed and everybody will see. Everything is divine DNA. DNA is also divine. The whole world is essentially made up of divine energy. And the diversity of matter is a diversity of divine energy. This is the theme of the second section of Tanya, Shara Yechud Vemunah, the portal of unity and faith. So what makes Klippa Klippa? What makes Klippa Klippa is, it's also divine energy, but the energy has two parts. One of it is in exile, is concealed, and the other part is Makif. Makif means it's on the peripheral. It surrounds it rather than it is internalized through it. In other words, Klippa nurtures and takes energy from God in a subconscious way. It's not in a way that it identifies with it internally because if it would, it wouldn't be Klippa. What allows it to be Sitra Achor, what allows it to be Tumma, what allows it to be unholiness is that it also receives God's energy, but it receives from a place of Makif, from a place which is actually a higher form of energy that doesn't condense itself and doesn't get filtered and restricted through the vessels of the consciousness of the creature. So therefore, in a way, it's more intense because it doesn't come with cheshboinus. You don't have to earn it. That's how Sitra Akhri could live. It doesn't have to earn the energy. So when a person attaches themselves to Tumma, they sometimes get much more. When a person attaches themselves to Kedusha, I have to earn it. It becomes part of me. It becomes part of me. I have to be able to be ready for it. A, a, just a very simple physical example is <laughs> if I want to, uh, if I want to uh, get water, and there's a big source of water, right? So I take a funnel, and I have the water pour into my bottle or my cup through a funnel. It's very restrictive. But that water goes into my cup. I have now water in my cup or coffee in my cup and I can drink it. A person says, I want to get water from the Niagara Falls. <laughs> because the Niagara Falls, it's very, very intense. 
It doesn't have to go into a cup. It's fine. It could just be overwhelming. You know, after a game when they pour the water, <laughs> you can't drink it. Why can't you drink it? Maybe you'll get a drop of it. You can't drink it because it's too much. That's an example for Makif. Kedusha, it comes into the keli. It's something that's internalized with you. You're going to drink it. So therefore, it has to be limited to who you are. In Klippa, they're not getting to drink it because it's not internalized. But there's a Ur Makif. So therefore, there's something there. That's why they went to the stars. That's why they went to the constellations. Because as the Zoyar says, it's free. It's for free. And it says in Chazal, Rashi brings Chinam. The Sifri says, Chinam in a mitzvah, free for mitzvahs. And you're going to get more. This is the uniqueness of the Jew. The Jew says, Anonos of Malka. I'm going to choose the king as my patron. Even though to receive from Gedusha, I need to work and I need Yegiya. And the hashpa, the flow, initially, is limited according to your avoida. Nonetheless, even though I can also go to Klippa, and I can get even more than anybody else, as I said before, because they want you. Nonetheless, I say, I want the restricted flow that comes from Kedusha. Why? Because I want, I want the truth. That's a summation with a little explanation of what we learned last time. We now go straight into Sif Hey. On your source sheets, it's the sixth page of your source sheets. You could again you can go to the Hebrew, you can go to the English section, or you can go to the Hebrew section, whatever is easier for you. I'm doing the Hebrew. But in this source sheet, you have both. So we are on the sixth page of the source sheet, Sif Hey. It says Hey. Vihine, let's now go one step further. Vihine. The reason of the wise, the wise person. For the fact that he chooses the king. And he doesn't choose the sarim. He does not choose the other ministers of the king. It's because, what does the manager say? That the pikeach, the wise person said, all of them are replaceable. The king is irreplaceable. What's the meaning? Based on what we explained, what, do, what does this mean? So apparently you can explain, what. let's understand what this means. The flow of life, the energy, the, the gratification, the happiness that comes from the Umaza. The Umaza always means the other side, the side that is not consciously a conduit for God's oneness, even though it can be ferocious and intense, even more than holiness, as we said before. It's just an overflowing energy because you don't have to earn it. It doesn't have to become part of you. So perhaps that's true, but it's not going to last. It's not going to last. It's what we call, in English, it's a bluff. Whenever this bitter, whenever things become clear, and you realize everything comes only from Hashem. So when the sparks are extracted from Klippa, and they live off the sparks, they're going to be dissolved, they're going to dissolve into nothingness. They don't have real existence. Their whole existence is from godliness. So their whole power is just a bluff. 
This is even more true when it comes to Jews. Even now, before the end of the era of Birurim, when all, when all the clip dissolves, even now, the fact that a Jew could receive his or her energy from Lu'umazah, from unholiness, is only temporary. It's only temporary that he can live with that dissonance. So therefore, you understand, everything is replaceable. In other words, very practical, very practical words. If somebody is experiencing a void, and who's not? Everyone has a void. How do I deal with that void? Yeah. I can deal with that void by doing things that I pursue that will ultimately fill the void. I can also distract myself from the void and do things that won't fill the void but will take my brain away temporarily from the void. What's the difference? The difference is one is real and one is fake. The one that's fake may feel much better because it's a quick fix and it's very geschmack but it's not real because tomorrow I'm going to need more. And that's the difference. There's two lifestyles. One lifestyle is when you're feeling pain you actually address what you're really, really feeling and you search to fill the void. Or in simple words, it means what you're really looking for is God. You're looking for God. This is one of the most important things when it comes to life, to people's lives. The greatest addict in the world. Yeah. What you're looking for is God and you're not going to find it anywhere else. And it's not like when you recover, you don't need God anymore. You always need. Your addiction is not your your addiction. The addiction is not the problem. It's your solution, as we always say. Right? The addiction is not the problem. The addiction is the solution. You have to look what the problem is. You're searching for something, and that search is not going to be discovered in anything fake. Because if you find something fake that's not what you're really searching for, tomorrow you're going to need more. And next week you're going to need more. And when you're used to this, next year you're going to need more and more and more and more until you plot and you're done. And it's true about every one of us in our own worlds. Whenever we run away from the problem, we run away from the void to something fake. That's called clip. We're running away to shells, to husks, to cover-ups, to masks, to camouflages. It feels good. That's why I do it. It's a survival mechanism. But it's not an authentic mechanism. And it's going to plot. Why is it going to plot? Because there's nothing outside of Kedusha. Everything is a bluff. And there's going to be a birur. Things are going to become clear one day. And then Nitzutzes of Klippa are going to emerge. And then you'll see Klippa doesn't have substance. And that's why it was never really satisfactory. It's only a temporary fix. And here we have to introduce a teaching of the Alter Rebbe. He brings it in footnote 34. The Alter Rebbe has a commentary on davening. The Mittler Rebbe, his son, after his passing, published the Siddur of the Alter Rebbe. And around and around there's a commentary from the discourses he heard from his father, the Balatanya, on davening. And there's an unbelievable interpretation in one of the Halalukas. You remember the Halaluka we have? Take a look in 34. This is an incredible teaching of the Alter Rebbe, and I want to introduce it. We say it every morning in Pesukah Dezimri, right after Ashrei, there's the Halaluka. Halaluka, halali nafshi, es Hashem, ahalala Hashem bechayoi, azamra lelekai biyoidi. Remember? Altiftechu benedivim. I'm going to give you now the Pshat of the Alter Rebbe. Every day by davening, you'll remember this. 
Don't trust the benefactors, the donors, the contributors, the benevolent ones, the nedivim. Nedivim means people who are ready to give. Don't put your trust in a person who can't really help. You know why? When his spirit leaves, he returns back to the ground, back to the earth. He gets buried. And that day, all of his schemes are gone. Ashrei Shekel Yaakov Be'ezroi Sivroi Al-Hashem We're back to Ashrei, the beginning of the Maimah. Asher, Ashrei. Fortunate is the one that the God of Yaakov is helping him. Sivroi, his hope. Sivroi, his food, Shever, his hope, comes from God. Oyser Shemayim Varetz, as Yom Mishkol Shabbam, Hashem Re'amis La'olam, Oyser Mishpat La'ashukim, an incredible short psalm of Tehillim, the end of Tehillim that we say every day after Ashrei. Says the Alter Rebbe, who are the Nedivim? Heravart. Who are the Nedivim? Who are these benefactors that want to give? The Alter Rebbe says it's Klippa. They're always ready to give you. Always a free ride. Always a quick fix. You don't need a void. You don't have to work on yourself. You don't have to be introspective. You don't have to challenge your ego. You don't have to deal with your trauma. The divim, they are so giving, they're so generous. It's so easy to trust them. It's so easy to surrender your life to them. It's so easy to give up your soul to all of these forces that are unholy, that are undivine. Why? Whether it's people, whether it's things, whether it's addictions, whether it's attractions, whether it's inclinations, whether it's promiscuity, whether it's quick fixes, whether it's escapes, whatever it is. They seem very generous. Don't trust them. You know why? Everything lives only from the Ruach of Kedusha. And the moment the Ruchai, the moment the Ruchni is, the spirituality, the 248 sparks that fell from the world of Toyu, the world of chaos, we often learned in the Maimorim about the 288 sparks, the spirit of Hashem, Merachefes, Merachefes is two words, Reish Peiches Meis, Merachefes, beginning of Bereshus. The 288 sparks that have fallen in the process known as Shvira Sakel, the breaking of the vessels, it's beyond the realm of this class, but it's one of the very well-known sugis in Kabbalah and in is known as Shvira Sakel, the breaking of the vessels of the world of chaos. And all these sparks are now invigorating everything in the world, including all the klippa. Teitzeruchai, the moment the Ruach leaves, Yashav Lad Mosai. It's gone. In other words, what you're looking for, you can only find in one place, in truth. I, there's a whole world of Klippa. There's no world of Klippa. It's a bluff world. It's a mask. It's a world of masks. It's a world of cover-ups. That's what Klippa means. It's a world of cover-ups. And the moment the cover-up gets exposed, there's nothing there because its entire power is the cover-up. It's like a Ponzi scheme. What's the power of a Ponzi scheme? It may, it may show that you made in my company, you earned $10 million last year. It's amazing. On the books, the problem is it's a fake, it's a bluff, it's a cover-up. And the moment the feds come and open the books, there's nothing there. It's a Ponzi scheme. All of Clip is that. It's a huge Ponzi scheme. It's a Ponzi scheme that God allows. It's the cover-ups of the world. And I have to choose every day where I'm going. So he says, Al Don't trust the Nedivim who are so giving. Look at the Pnimiyas. What's going to be left of this? 
after the Nitzutzes are gone. Nothing. Because everything lives off Hashem. They're just using divine energy and misconstruing it and manipulating it and distorting it and exploiting you to use you against yourself. Again, I'm going to give the example of addiction. What is it? You're really looking for spirituality. You're looking for God. This alcohol is just a cover-up. So the alcohol uses the little energy that it has from God, because everything has energy from God. And it uses you to get you, and it gives it to you. Everything is for free, and you don't have to work for it, and it gives you a lot. But it's going to be disappointing. And the reason it's going to be disappointing is because you need a relationship with Hashem. You don't need all these things. These things are just distractions, and therefore what you're looking for, you're always going to be looking for, and you're always going to need it. But what you need is the truth. You need to be aligned with your essence. You need to be connected to who you really are. Klippe ultimately is a cover-up, and when the sparks go out, there's nothing left to it. And that's why you always need something else. Oh, so this is the pshat. Then we could understand what the medrash means. All of them are exchangeable. All of them are going to be out of business one day. Malka loy mischalaf. Let's continue inside. Conversely, it works both ways. Just like one day when things will become clearer and the Nitsutsis are going to emerge in their glory. All the clippers, all the shells are going to dissolve. Why are they going to dissolve? Because they never really had substance outside of holiness. So they were just feeding off Kedusha. Everything feeds from Hashem. The only question is if you cover it up, you don't cover it up. In holiness, you don't cover it up. In unholiness, you cover it up. How long can the cover-up last? As long as the cover-up lasts. The moment the sparks are taken out, so what are you left with? You're left with nothing because your only real reality is holiness. And what did your power come from? That you covered up holiness. So the moment his holiness is not covered up, nothing exists anymore. Your whole power is that you're covering up holiness. I once told you the words from the Baal Shem Tev. Incredible insight from the Baal Shem Tev, The beginning of the Megillah. I'm going to say it in 20, 10, 10, 15 seconds. The beginning of the Megillah is the story that Achashverosh summons Vashti. And he wants her, the Gemara says in Megillah, he wants her to come without clothes, undressed. And she refuses. And she loses her, she loses not only her position as a queen, she loses her life. So the Baal says, why is that relevant to Purim? It's in the Sefer Eir HaMeir by his student, Jabzei Wolf of Jitomir. Actually, the Sefer is quoted later in the Maimir because of another metaphor of the Baal We'll see later. So the Baal says, what's the message of the story? The message of the story is, Vashti represents Klippa, cover-ups. The Alter Rebbe writes, Vashti comes from the word Shtei, which means a duality. There's a duality. In Klippa, there's always a duality. There's God and there's me. In Kedusha, there's oneness. Einoid Movad. Achashvedich, it says in the Medrash, it's brought in Moedayer, that Achashvedich is Achariz Vedech Shalai. It's a metaphor for Hashem. The beginning and the end is his. And at some point in life, the king summons Vashti. The king summons Klippa. So Klippa says, I'm coming, and she's ready to get dressed. God says, no, 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 without any clothes. Here's the problem. The moment Klippa takes off clothes, its clothes, what happens? There's nothing left. The moment Vashti is summoned to the king to come undressed, it's like the famous story, the emperor has no clothes, right? Here the story is the opposite. The clothes have no emperor. 
Clippers closed. There's no emperor. There's no real substance because the whole substance of everything is godliness. But Clippe eclipses that. So what is its substance? Its substance is that it covers up the truth. The moment Vashti has to take off all the cover-ups, what's left? Nothing. Her whole power is a cover-up. This is what a person has to understand. Are you investing in cover-ups or are you investing in truth? Now, cover-ups are powerful. Panzai schemes are very good. That's why everybody invested with them, with Madoff. It's very promising. I'm a chaya. You get returns that no other company gives you. <laughs> no other investor gives you. No other hedge fund manager is going to give you. You get, re- you get, wow, revenue that's unheard of. Of course, if it's all fake, I can give you everything. It doesn't have to be with a cheshman. There's also the other part. We said before that the flow that comes from Kedusha is always limited because you have to earn it, because it has to be internalized, because you have to be a keli for it. That's now. But when the truth is going to come out, suddenly we're going to see that Kedusha is infinite. There's no limit. As he puts it here in the language of Chassidus, when the Pnimi Yisamakif comes out, what does it mean the Pnimi Yisamakif? The true infinity of God comes out. We know it's God wants Kedusha. So then you're going to see in Kedusha the infinity. We say now holiness reaches you in a very restricted fashion. That's also only superficially. Really, Kedusha is pure infinity. It's just the way it's experienced now in my vessels. I have to earn it. It comes into a limited fashion. And the way Klippa comes out now is unlimited. It's a quick fix and it's intense and it's ferocious and it's amazing and it's gratifying. But when the truth comes out, two things happen. First of all, you see that Klippa is garnished. It's a bluff. Tumah is a bluff. Don't trust it. Because when you're going to need real help, it's not going to be here for you. <laughs> not going to be here for you. There was a funeral of a teenage girl who took her life. At the funeral, the mother started to cry and she was saying, I don't understand, on Facebook, she had thousands of friends. Where are they at the funeral? Right? At a moment of truth, they're not going to be here for you. They're not here for you. This is good for Facebook. It's good for social media. It's friends that are not real. It's not authentic. They're not going to be here for you in a day of truth. I'll tell you a personal moment I had. I once went to visit Rabbi Adin Evan Yisro, Rabbi Adin Steinsaltz. This was around 21 years ago, approximately, maybe 20 years ago, I wanted to speak to him. I was in Israel, and he gave me time Shabbos afternoon. Shabbos afternoon, he gave me time. It was Shalashudah's time, and we went to the back. He had a courtyard in his house in the German colony, Moshe Vagarmanet in Jerusalem, a little garden, and there was a stem of a tree, a little kaziba, and he sat on the stem of the tree, and I sat on another rock or on another bench. And we schmoozed as the sun was setting over the horizons of Jerusalem. And he told me something very meaningful. He said, you know, people who make a career of speaking and writing, and they become public figures, often allow themselves to get nurture and validation from crowds and audiences. And they don't realize that very often it's inauthentic. He said, people are just, ah? He said, people are just expressing how much they enjoyed it. He said, it's always important to have a relationship with a few people 
who really, really, really care for you in the core of your being. And it was very powerful because this is so true about life in each one of our lives. You know, how much am I getting my nurture from things ultimately that will prove to be futile? Whatever that means for you. And it's the other way around. When you say Kedusha is limited, it only looks limited now. But when the truth will come out, and we will see that the Shairish of Pnimius is Pnimius Amakif, not Chitzainius Amakif, which very briefly means, when we speak about God's energy that's Makif, that's, that's, uh, that's infinite, that hovers over us and does not internalize, there's the Chitzainius of it. There's the way it comes out externally, and that's where the clippers feed off. But then there's the Pnimius Hamakif. What is Hashem's true infinity? And that's expressed only in Pnimius, because that's what He wants. That's what Kedush is. That's what a relationship with. So today, when you look at things, you can look at them, you see Kedusha Hamakif. It's much more glamorous than Kedusha. But when the truth comes out, it's the other way around. That's what Rabbi Akiva said. He quotes you an incredible line from Rabbi Akiva. The Gemara says at the end of Marcus that say, the sages travel to Rome. Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi, Rabbi Loza ben Azayah, Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva. Kfar hoyu mahalchim bederek, they were traveling to Rome. And when they came close, they heard koil hamoyna shalraimi, Marcus davchavdalad, 24th page of tractate Marcus. They heard the sounds of Rome. And you know, Rome was Rome, ah, in its height of the glory. You're talking about the second century after the common era, a few decades or a few years after the destruction of the second Beis Hamikdash, the first or second century after the common era, probably the end of the first century, Beis Hamikdash was destroyed in 70. So this happened in 80 or 90 or um, a few years later. They're traveling to Rome. And they hear the, the music, the electricity, it's electrifying. And the sages start crying. And Abakiva starts laughing. And they say, why are you laughing? And he says, why are you crying? And they say, our holy Beis HaMikdash, God's house, is up in flames. And these Chevre are celebrating. They're enjoying life. So Abakiva says, that's why I'm laughing. If this is, if this is, what Avri are getting, if this is the type of pleasure that those who transgress God's will are getting, do you imagine what those who are fulfilling God's will are getting, are, are going to get? On a surface level, what he's saying is, don't only look at the present, look at the future. If this is what these gangsters are getting, these Roman hooligans, these tyrants, these dictators who burnt the base Hamikdash, and this is the reward they're getting for whatever reason, imagine those who are committed to God's will, what they're going to get one day. But the Rebbe says it here. It's even it's a, it's even it's a, it's a deeper that it is a deeper element in the words of Rabbi Akiva, and it's true on a psychological level. You think that through clipper you're going to get pleasure. That pleasure is superficial, even if it's powerful. Do you know the type of infinite delight that you get through Kedusha? Because that's real. And it comes from the ultimate source. 
That's the meaning, perhaps, of what the Medrash says. All of them are replaceable. The king is irreplaceable. What does it mean all of them are replaceable? Clip is a temporary existence. Because the moment the Kedusha emerges, you see that there's nothing there. It just dissolves into nothingness. Because again, its whole power was holiness. It was just covering it up. The moment the cover-up is gone, <laughs> the Nitzutzes go out, it's done. And the other way around is, Kedusha was limited. The flow was limited only... When we don't experience the full truth and the majesty of holiness that it represents God's essence. We only see Chitzoni Yisamakov, not Pnimi Yisamakov. Pnimi Yisamakov means the true infinity of God's infinite energy is where is expressed in holiness. It's just it has to be filtered so that it should be able to come into my vessels. But ultimately, what am I connecting to? I'm connecting to the whole truth. So you think through Klippa you're going to get a quick fix. Through Klippa you're going to get a lot of joy. Kedusha is so much more. In other words, this is something that's not going to be replaceable. Malkaloy Mishalaf. Avol But this is insufficient. The Lefiza, according to this, Gam According to this, even, even the choice of the wise person in the king is also for his own personal benefit. Lubavitcher Rebbe says, we still didn't get to the core. Why? According to this, everybody is just thinking about themselves. The spiritualist and the materialist. <laughs> Maybe I can't say it so sharply. The addict... And the sober one, they're all thinking about themselves. They're still in a bubble of self. And there, there's, not, there's no ultimate truth. The choice of the wise one and the king is also for what I'm going to get. We explained before in Se'iv Dalad that the difference between Avodah Zara and Judaism was Avodah Zara, I'm looking for what I'm going to get. And through the stars and the galaxies and Klippa, they're going to get much more and for free. In Kedusha, you have to get it through Avoida. And you're going to get less, apparently, at least for now. So therefore, it's hard to do that. But the Pikeach, the Pikeach says, I want the king. It's not about what I'm going to get. I want the truth. But the Rebbe says, based on the reason of the Medrash, it's not you want the truth, you're just smarter. <laughs> you know how to plan ahead. You're a long-term planner. What does the Gemara say? The Gemara says in Meseches Tamid, that's what he's quoting here, Lamed Beis, Alexander of Macedonia, Alexander the Great, asked the sages, who's wise? And they said, somebody who sees the future. There's a person who invests right now in something that I'm going to be able to get tomorrow or the next week or today. And there's a person, it's called long-term planning, I see the future. According to this paradigm, both of us are just looking for the best return. The difference is, Klippa looks at today, and Kedusha looks at tomorrow. So that's true, and it's a beautiful idea, that in life, you always have to look at long term, not just short term. In other words, don't only invest in that, which is going to look good today, invest in that, which is going to look good in a year, in five years, in ten years, in a hundred years, in a thousand years. Have your eyes 
focused on eternity. It's a beautiful idea. It's a beautiful insight. But essentially, in terms of paradigm, they're in the same orbit. Everybody wants to get what they can get out of life. You want to get what you can get out of life. I want to get what I can get out of my life. You're looking for your self-interest. I'm looking for my self-interest. You know what? I'm just smarter. I'm thinking ahead. You're not thinking ahead. Or you're smarter. You're thinking I'm not thinking ahead. So you have a piece of cake in front of me. Eh? I'm just looking at the moment. My sweet tooth craves the piece of cake. And you're looking what's going to happen in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year. So you resist it. So you want a different type of cake. You want a cake that's not going to add calories and that's not going to create depression and anxiety and that's not going to ultimately affect the body negatively. Okay, so you're smarter than me. I'm getting consumed by the temptation and you're saying the temptation looks very promising, but in a year from now or maybe even in a 20 minutes from now, you're going to regret it. Right? They say that the whole food industry and restaurants and cafeterias which is a multi-billion dollar industry, it's about seven seconds. Why? Because imagine you would make a presentation in a restaurant from food that has already been digested and then been spit up. It would be disgusting. Nobody would walk into the restaurant. So it's about those few seconds when the waiter comes with this beautifully decorated, colorful plate and the food, and you look at it until it gets into your mouth. One that gets into your mouth and it starts getting digested, chewed up and digested, then it doesn't have any look... (laughs) And then the difference between this piece of food and that piece of food is only about how much energy it gives you and how much has to be expelled from the body because it's garbage. So it's all about those few seconds when you look at it and you're like, wow, and this is the industry. So a chacham says, the piece of food, look what's going to be in 10 minutes. It's going to go into the body. It's going to be digested. What's the body going to say about it? How much of it can be converted into the bloodstream? How much of it is glucose? How much of it is going to become part of your fat reserve? What is really nutritious? What is the body ultimately going to expel because it has no space in a healthy body? Look at that. It's a beautiful way of living. But it comes out that we're back to square one. That the one who serves God and the one who serves Klippa, the addict and the holy person, they're really in the same orbit. Everybody wants the best out of life. I want to enjoy life. You want to enjoy life. I'm thinking about today. You're thinking about tomorrow. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's where we could stop. Which is, which is, which is, which is an important idea. In fact, some people, the Judaism is built on that. Judaism is built, I want to get the maximum out of life. Kvaldik. And you know what? It's a great consideration. What are you, what's going to give you the maximum out of life? If I go to addiction, I'm not going to get the maximum out of life. On the contrary, I'm selling myself short. I'm going to become... Uh, <clears throat> whatever the word is, a junkie. I don't want to be a junkie. I want to be a mensch. I want to be a mensch. Think about that. Think ahead. The same is true with marriage and loyalty and relationships and Torah and mitzvahs and avoida. Everything we said. Is this where it stops? Is this where we reach the climax of Yiddishkeit? Everybody just wants themselves. I want to feel good. You want to feel good. Some of us are smarter and we see ahead. Some of us are dumber and we look at right now. So the Rebbe is saying, Klippa is a short-term vision, very short-term vision. It's superficial, it's short-term, it's temporary. Kedusha, long-term vision. It's a beautiful insight, and it's a fundamental insight in life. But it doesn't stop here. We didn't suck the marrow out of life. 
It's a great cheshbon. Again, what's the cheshbon? The cheshbon is everything is replaceable. Only the king is irreplaceable. What does it mean the king is irreplaceable? That when all doors of perception are cleansed, and when all cover-ups and camouflages and masks are removed, and we see the MS, what's going to show? The only real reality is divine oneness. Ein oid mulvadein. Everything else is a bluff. It's a play. It's an act. It's a puppet show. A good one, but a puppet show. On both levels. The power of Klippa you're going to see is meaningless. It's going to dissolve. Vashti disappears. Why? Because the whole power is you're just covering up the truth. What's the truth? The truth is you yourself are getting energy from holiness. And the moment the holiness is exposed and comes out, there's nothing to you. The clothes have no emperor. (laughs) Vashti disappears. The other way, when the truth comes out, you see that Kedusha has everything. But we're still in the orbit of (laughs) self-centeredness. Not in a bad way. <clears throat> but essentially, the difference is, I want a good life, you want a good life. The question is how? Comes the Rebbe and says, the Medrash is saying something much deeper. And here, the Mimer moves on to the next level. This blockage number one, what's blockage number one? God doesn't run the world, chas v'shalom. Blockage number two is God runs the world, but through many others who have protectia and can give you more on the side. <coughs> Blockage number three is, <coughs> I want clipper <coughs> because I don't have to earn it. <coughs> I don't have to pay a price. I don't need bittel, I don't need avoid, and I'm going to get more, much more through makif rather than through pnimi. <coughs> In Kedusha, God didn't leave the world. God is the only master. God is the one who's responsible for everything. Everything is Hashem. And next level, third level, I want a relationship with Kedusha itself. Why? Because it's real. It's eternal. It's not going to disappoint me. It's going to be here in 10 years. It's going to be here in 100 years. It's going to be here in 1,000 years. It's here for eternity. Tetzei Ruchai is not Yashavlad Masai. Excuse me. Now we go to the fourth level. The Medrash is saying something much deeper. The Medrash says something much deeper. The Medrash could have said, you know why we choose the king? Because the revenue is going to be better ultimately. Today not, but tomorrow. Like we explained before. It's a long-term investment. Think about the future. People play games in their marriages. And what happens in a year? It plots and you're destroyed and you destroyed your family. I'm having a bad day, so I become an addict. I'm having a bad life, become an addict. So what happens? You destroy yourself. It may take five years, it may take ten years. Speak to people in recovery. 
So what? I'm looking for a long-term investment. I get it. But that's not what the Medrash The Medrash says something deeper. It's all good. It's true. He's not rejecting it. We're just going out to a deeper space. Open your hearts. The Medrash says, you know why the Jews serve God? Chelki Hashem Amra Nafshi. My soul says that my chelik is Hashem. We see from here, he's choosing the king not because of self, spiritual self-centeredness. The benefit I'm going to have. My soul says I want the melech. Let's explain. What the Medrash is teaching us here, what the Bechon is teaching us here, the fact that the Jewish people, Yisrael, a Yisrael, a Jew, chooses Hashem. Even though right now there's much more hashpa, there's much more intense hashpa that comes to those who transgress his will, as we explained before, because from there you can get without a cheshben, without calculations, it doesn't have to come into kalim. It's a flow. It's strong. It's powerful because it doesn't have to be integrated. That's true. <coughs> so why does a Jew choose Hashem? Why choose kedusha? Choose klipa? It's not because one day on the day of reckoning we're going to figure out, ooh, I'm really getting much more. I wasn't part of a Ponzi scheme. Maybe my revenues are 2% of what you're getting. But you know what? They're going to last. They're going to be stable. I'll have the money in 30 years. You, you're making millions, but it's nothing. It's all going to be one big farce. <coughs> That's not the vart. That's not the vart of the medrash. That's a very logical vart, but the vart of the medrash is not logic. We both want ourselves. I'm a little smarter than you. The vart is, Chelki Hashem Amra Nafshi. There's something much deeper. The flow that comes to those who are connected to the source is coming from Hashem's true desire and true will, from His intimate self. The flow that comes to Klippa, to Tumma, to that which is antithetical to God's will, is like when somebody throws something over his shoulder to his enemy, I have to give it to him, but I'm completely not interested. For example, if somebody has to pay severance pay to a person in a company who really destroyed the company, but you go to court, you go to a dintaira, and the verdict is that you have to pay him for another five, ten years, you have to pay him every month, you have to give him a check for compensation. <coughs> you don't want even want to see him. So you give the envelope to the secretary and say, when he comes, give it to him or mail it to him. Or even if he comes to the office, you turn around and you say, here, why? Because there's no intimate relationship. I'm giving him a check. It may be a very big check. The check may be much bigger than I'm giving to my faithful employees because I have to pay him severance pay. But my soul is not there. My heart is not there. You're getting the check, but you're not getting the relationship. And that's why the Jewish people want the flow that comes to those who are connected to Hashem, even though it's a restricted flow, as we explained, but it's coming from His desire. There's a relationship.
In other words, in every relationship, in every situation in life, you could focus on two things. You could focus on the thing you're getting, or you could focus on the relationship behind the thing you're getting. And this is a critical, critical insight. I'm going to give a bit, an illustration of this from a story that I heard from my cousin and esteemed senior colleague, Rabbi Shalom Bar Lipsker, the spiritual leader of the Shul in Bell Harbor in Florida. Many of you have been to Florida, Bell Harbor, and you have the Shul. And the founder of the Shul is Rabbi Shalom and Chani Lipsker. And I once heard from him a personal story that he experienced. Thank you. And he said that there was somebody in his community or somebody that lived in the area, a man who was a very, very successful businessman. He had apartments and condominiums and homes on the ocean, on the beach in Florida. And he was married and they had a son, a teenage son. And the fellow got involved with another person, another woman. And that caused the breakup of the first marriage. And he divorced his wife. They got divorced. And he remarried. He, he married the second woman whom he connected to with re- previously. Now, the teenage son was there from the first marriage. He decided to stay there with his father. But he was extremely resentful of course, to his father, and also resentful to this other woman who he felt destroyed his family life and the family unit. His parents got divorced. So when his father <coughs> got married to the second woman, she made a condition. And the condition was she's going to move in with the father as long as the son is not there anymore. Because the relationship between them was so tense and so negative and so difficult for obvious reason. She said, you have to choose between me or choose between him. And the father obviously wanted to be with her. So Rabbi Lipska told me that he got a call one day from a man. And the man said, I want to talk to you. And he came to his office and he shared with him this story. And he said, I called in my son, around 16-year-old boy, 15, maybe 17-year-old boy. And I gave him an envelope full of cash, a lot, a lot of cash, thousands of dollars of cash. I gave him a wallet with credit cards and I gave him two sets of keys. He tells Rabbi Lipsker. One set of keys is to a new car in the garage that you can use. I'm paying for it every month. Obviously, the kid had a license. I guess he was 16, 17, 18, whatever the age is in Florida. I'm not sure. (coughs) The second set of keys is I got you a beautiful, beautiful apartment on one of the high rises, sky, one of the tall buildings on the beach, a mile away. And you could be there. It's your place. You can hang out. And whenever you need me, I'll come. I'll come visit you. We'll hang out together. But there's only one condition. The condition is you can't come to this house because that was the condition of his new wife. You can't come to this house. Whenever you need, I'll come to you. So you have a car. You have your own house. You have your credit card. He said, unlimited. (laughs) I'll pay the bill. Here's cash. And here's your two sets of keys. And you know what happened? The boy took the keys. He took the envelope with the cash. He took the credit cards and he threw it all at his father. And he said, 
I don't need your credit cards. I don't need your money. I don't need your car. I don't need your house. All I want is a father. And he left the room. And the father comes crying to Rabbi Lipsker, what do I do? You know, he was saying, I came a little late. But I want to focus on the wisdom of this child. Many teenagers wouldn't be so self-aware to be able to know this. This is what real attachment is about. And he knew how, how much attachment was important to him. We all know this at the age of one, two, three, four, five. Many of us don't know how to articulate it. And we're given substitutes for attachment. We're given substitutes for attachment. And we run into those substitutes because they feel good. This boy may have found this out 10 years later, 20 years later in his life, what he was really looking for. The profound, the profound, profound sensitivity of this boy's heart and soul was that he understood it. I don't need your apartment. I don't need your car. I need you. I need a father. I don't think he meant that he doesn't like a house, he doesn't like a car, he doesn't like money, he doesn't like credit cards, he's probably a normal kid. But it's coming at the price of a father. The father says, I'll give you everything besides me. I'll give you everything besides me. I don't want everything, I want you. Wow. He understood and he can even tell it to his father. Usually when a father causes you so much pain, you can't even tell it to him because you're afraid to tell it to him. Why are you going to be vulnerable? You say the exact opposite. You come and you tell yourself, I don't need a father, especially such a father. He's a sick man. He's the worst father in the world. I don't need him. And that's the way how you distract yourself from the pain of not having a father by saying your father is a sick man and you don't need him. And then you tell you don't need him in your own mind. Really, it's all about the pain of not having a father. But this boy was honest, was open. And this is the point we're making and this is so important, it's a, but people often don't understand it's a business relationship and a marriage. A business relationship, it's about the money. I'm in a relationship with you, I'm in a partnership with you because we both want both money. Both want money. A marriage is not because we both want money. That's not what a marriage is. Or a real friendship, it's about because we want each other. And that's why it's so important when you get into a disagreement with your spouse about what we're doing for Pesach or what we're doing for the summer, what we're doing for Sukkot or what we're doing tomorrow, are we doing renovations in the basement or we not, or do we close the window, what we do with the kids or what we do with here and there, whatever it is, big things, small things. Whatever the resolution is, whether you go out right, he goes out right, she goes out right, both right, both right, whatever it is, don't forget the most important thing, that afterwards the relationship has to be intact. Because if... The relationship is not intact after the end of the disagreement. Even if you won, you lost. Do you understand what I'm saying? Rabbi, are you with me? You don't argue with your wife, so you don't have to be with me. But anybody who has a disagreement, right? If I'm disagreeing with my partner in business, we have a good friendship. You still have to make sure the friendship is intact. But here the focus is, what do we do? The board comes together. What are we doing with our company? Are we making this investment? We're not making this investment. We're firing him. We're hiring him. Okay, it's an argument. When it comes to a relationship where the relationship is at the core, there's also money in the relationship. And there's also things that have to happen in the relationship. But the relationship trumps everything else. So if after the disagreement, the relationship is going to be damaged, even if you won the argument, you lost the argument. This is so important for people to understand. (laughs) Okay, I'll convince her, I'll convince him. It's irrelevant. If the relationship is compromised, you lost. Even if you won, you lost. 
Says the Lubavitcher Rebbe, this is what you have to understand about Kedusha. It's not that the Jew says, I'm making a long-term investment. No. It's not about the long-term investment. It happens to be a long-term investment. The vart is, I want my father. I don't want the credit cards. You say, yeah, but a relationship with your father <coughs> is not going to be so grand. <laughs> you go to Clipper, you get everything, and you get it for free. A relationship with Gdush is going to be restricted and filtered, but this is where my father is. This is where the Rebbeinu Shalom is. <laughs> It's not because of the future. I want Ratzin. I want intimacy. Chelki Hashem Amra Nafshi. It's not because I'm going to get more. I'm not getting more, I'm getting less. But I have you. I'm not Nos of Malka. I have you. I want you. Yeah, but Klippe has much more and it's for free. I know. But the father is not there. The credit cards are there, but not my father. I want you. I want the connection. The boy says, I want my father. I don't need your keys. Yeah, but you'll get much more cars. I don't care. But your father, the relationship with him, the Kedusha's not going to give you the cars you want. I don't care. I want the truth. I want the Pneumius. Where is Hashem? Hashem is in Kedusha. That's where his desire is. I, clip also comes from Hashem. He says, yes, everything comes from Hashem. But it's commander Shadi Basakasv. It's like when you're giving something to your enemy, you're not really interested, you throw it over your shoulder. You're giving the credit cards, but you're not giving yourself. It's like somebody's talking to you, and when they're talking to you, <coughs> they're texting. <coughs> right? A couple once came to see me and she says, we don't spend enough time. So the husband says, what do we mean? Yesterday we were seven hours in Costco. So she rolls her eyes. She says, that's not called spending time. Spending time means that it's just you and me without anything else. He says, we went to Costco for seven hours. (laughs) What was the argument here? Who's right? Who's wrong? They're both right from different perspectives. He's like, spending time? We were in the same car. We were in the same store. And she's like, no, it's not about shopping together. It's just about the relationship itself. The Rebbe says, this is Yiddishkeit. This is Yiddishkeit. There's the element of Kedusha, long-term, MS, but that's still somewhat spiritually self-centered. I have long-term vision, you have short-term vision. The real calling of holiness is, It's not only because in the future it's going to be good, even now. When Klip is giving more and more with more power and more potency and more ferociousness and more intensity, and it's for free and you don't have to do avoid. And Kedusha, relationship with Kedusha is through Tzimtzum, it's through restrictions and through filters. Why? Because it has to go on Bipnimius and you have to earn it and you need Bittal and you need Yagiyah. This is where I'm staying. Not because in 20 years and when Mashiach comes, the Klip is going to be dissolved. No. That's true because it's MS. <laughs> That's true. But the word is, I want you. It's not that me and the pagan are both self-centered. <coughs> I just have more wisdom to see what's going to happen. It's a different paradigm. It's a different paradigm. 
I want where he really is. I want to be where he really is. Where is he? Hashem is in Kedusha. Hashem is in Taira. Hashem is in holiness. Hashem is in morality. Hashem is in goodness. He's not in Tumah. I, Tumah, comes from him, MS. But it's a Shadi Basakasvai. You throw it over your shoulder. There's no intimacy there. You're getting the things. You're not getting the relationship. I don't want your things. I want your relationship. Attachment. But that's not the reason the Medrash gives. The reason the Medrash gives is because the king is not replaceable and they are replaceable. So it's all about an investment. I want to invest in the one who's going to be here in 20 years. It means something else. Ah, in the Yeshivisha language, Malka Mishalaf is not a reason, it's a Gili Milsa. <laughs> the fact that they're all replaceable means that even now it's not real. It's not authentic. Meaning, when the Medrash says, everything changes, but the king doesn't change. It's not the reason why he's choosing the king. That reason is a much lower state of consciousness. That's also maybe included here, but that's not the real point of the Medrash. The point is something else. The fact that they're all replaceable means that even now they're not rooted in truth, in authenticity. Because real truth is everlasting. Real truth is limitless. Real truth is eternal. The Yerushalmi says, MS is three letters. Aleph, Mem, Tav. The beginning of the alphabet, the middle of the alphabet, the end of the alphabet. Because in the beginning, in the middle, and then it's always going to be there. Ani Rishon, Vani Acharon, Umi Bilada, Yenelikim. The Alter Rebbe says in the Kudat Ani Rishon, I'm the beginning. Ani Acharon, I'm the Umi Bilada, even in between, Yenelikim. There's nothing really MS. That's the idea. The idea is, I want truth and only the truth. I want to connect to truth. Not because of the personal benefit, because if I connect to you tomorrow, I'm going to get more money than you. That's not the point. The point is, I want the emes. I'm looking for my father, not for the distractions of my father. I'm looking for my mother, not for the distractions. I'm looking for the truth. The fact they're going to be replaceable shows that now they're not real. Because if they would be real, God is not replaceable. Truth is not replaceable. The whole reason they're replaceable is because their entire identity, their entire energy that they have, all the energy that clip and addiction and distractions have, and they can give chiyus to animals, and they give chiyus to people, and give chiyus that God, God transmits through them to the world. It's not because of themselves. It's all the only real thing they have is holiness. So why they clip it? Because they cover it up. The holiness is not united with them. It's not integrated. It's in exile. 
God is in exile. Hashem gives chiyas to klippa in exile. It's like when you're in exile, you're serving the enemy, but your presence is not really there. It's almost like you're forced. You're being exploited. Your talents are being exploited. Hashem allows His energy to be exploited and distorted and misconstrued to vivify certain aspects of the world through klippa. And that's what Rabbi Akiva understood when he saw Rome. He said, I'm not going to get impressed by this. I'm not going to get startled. He didn't get startled. And that's why Klippi essentially is death. Why is it death? It's alive. It's death. The only life that it has is godliness. And the godliness is not expressed, so it on its own is death. And the moment the godliness is going to be exposed, it has nothing. The clothes have no emperor. You're going to see that it's death. In other words, what are you trying to hold on to? The only thing to hold on to is emes. And emes is kedusha, elakus, einoid movade. Klippe looks alive, but it's really busy dying. It's not busy living. Because the whole life it has is kedusha. So why is it not holy? Because it eclipses holiness. How can it eclipse holiness? Because the holiness is in exile. There's a part of holiness that's makiv, that's not integrated. There's a part of holiness that's integrated, but it's completely in exile, and therefore it could be concealed. So those who receive their energy from klippe, like it says in Tanya, the Gemara says in Brachas, that Rishayim, even when they're alive, they're called dead. And Sadikim, even after they're passing, they're called alive. Why? So the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, in Perik Chavbez, chapter 22 of Tanya, because a Russia means that I'm, my life is coming from a place of death, meaning from a place where there's no real life. That's the, what the Medrash is saying. of Malka, I want the king because everyone is exchangeable. What does he mean? It's not that I'm thinking about my self-centered benefits tomorrow. I don't want flow that's coming from a place of Tumah, that's coming from a place where there's no real life, even though I'm getting much more. And even though when it comes to Gdusha, it's coming with a Tzimtzum. So why should you want this over this? Because Anonosif Malk, because Chelki Hashem Amranafshi, I want the place where there's Emes. I want the place where Elikus is present intimately. It's going to be revealed also one day. That's what the Jewish soul says. That's what the real soul says. That's the sensitivity of the soul. Chelki Hashem Amra Nafshi. In Klippe, there's also God, but he's like captured. He's like abducted. That's what it says in Kabbalah. The Nitzutzis are in exile. That's what exile is. That's what Galus Hashin is. So therefore, Klippe is called Mavis. It's called death. Rishayim Bechayim Kriyamesim. Either Russia has a very active life and a very vibrant life, he's a dead man walking. You sometimes see it in a person. We sometimes see it in ourselves. On the outside, it looks very much alive. This is a dead man walking. Why? I'm connected to a place where there's no real life. There's no real life. It's deadness. Either is life, you're alive. The whole life that you have is coming from godliness, but it's an exile. So who are you? <laughs> there's nothing there. Because <clears throat> I'm not on a line. I'm not aligned. I'm not in the flow of divine energy. So that's what the Medrash means. All of them are exchangeable, and the king is not exchangeable. It's not a self-centered calculation about long-term revenue from an investment in a hedge fund that is authentic and not a Ponzi scheme. That's not the vart. It's a good vart, but that's not the vart. That's not the nekuda. The nekuda of Anonas of Malkas, even now, when I have to work harder and I'm getting much less, but I want you. Chel ki I want you. Which now brings us to the big question of chapter 6 in the Maimer. This is also logical. This is also an investment. <laughs> I want the truth. I don't want the fake things. 
As we will see, chapter 6, this we're going to continue this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. I'm going to take some questions. Klipas Noiga <coughs> is already... The concept of Klipas Noiga means, Klipas Noiga means a translucent shell. Shining, which means it's a klipa that you have to choose if it's going to remain a cover-up or it's going to become a conduit for godliness. For example, a cup of coffee, a fruit, <coughs> a piece of chicken, a vegetable, money, my computer, my phone, <coughs> my clothes, my house, my job, the whole world, science, physics, medicine, every dynamic of our life, internally and externally. It's a world <coughs> that on one hand, it eclipses the truth of oneness. But it's also a world that allows you to open yourself up to that truth and therefore transform the very entity you're dealing with into a conduit for oneness. That's what Klippus Naika is. That's what the Tanya explains at length in chapter 6 and chapter 7 and chapter 8 and continuous, continuing chapters. What's the definition of money? Money can turn me into a crazy person, can turn me into a narcissist. Or money can be used in the most amazing, incredible ways to spread so much love and goodness, right? Food is the energy that God created to be able to vivify our bodies and our <coughs> organisms to live good lives and serve Hashem. Or food can be used as, a, you know, an instrument of binging. So that's what Klippus Negev is. Klippus Negev represents everything in the world where there is a cover-up, but the cover-up can be removed and the person can choose to see it as a conduit for oneness and 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 utilize it in that way. And then the Klippus Neiger becomes all part of Kedushan. The Alter Rebbe in Tanya gives an example of somebody who makes a joke. He says, Rava, the Gemara says in Shabbos and Psachim, Shabbos daf Lamed, Psachim daf Kof Zayin, that Rabbi, Rabbi Nechananel, has the version of Rava, before he would start a shir, he would make a joke. Milsa the and everybody would laugh. And then they would start to shir. So he says, an anecdote is a classic example of Klippus Neiger. It's a humorous comment. It wasn't teaching Torah, right? But what was it? It was about opening people's hearts. So it was very meaningful. It wasn't vulgar. It wasn't insulting people. It wasn't denigrating people. Sometimes you make a joke at somebody's expense. You know, you tear open their kishkas. Then you take a joke and you lower it. You degrade it. You take yourself and you degrade yourself. But here it elevated people. It opened up their hearts. You know, humor is a very good <coughs> tool to create a good ambiance. He also gives the example of drinking wine and eating good food, right? You eat it at Shabbos and Yom Tif, or in order to open your minds. On the contrary, it's a wonderful thing. There's a pleasure and a delight that a person has in life that opens them up and allows them to become a better person and serve God with more effectiveness and become closer with your family and closer with your soul, etc. So that's all Klippas Naiga. Here the concept is when you invest in Klippa, you worship the sun, you worship the moon, or you worship your job, or you worship your money, or you worship your need for validation, or you worship immorality, or you worship promiscuity, or you worship addiction, or you worship whatever you worship, right? What is it about? It's about the concept that the person loses touch with Kedusha. They invest their life in Klippa. Klippa Snoig, on the contrary, you transform it. Oh, that's powerful. That's powerful. That's it, it. Yeah. of Malka demands a tnuah of Mesidis Nefesh. Like we spoke Purim. Lahashmid Lanagala Abid. 
the tenuah of Mesidus Nefesh. The whole year was Lahashmit Lada Galabit. It's a tenuah. Like you're saying, I have to pay a price because not Chas V'Shalom, you have to pay a price that you should lose. But the point is, it's not about, it's not about paying the price. It's about, I want you, whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever it takes. And there's a price to pay for it because you say the hashpah is mitzumtzum and I have to work for it and clip a gitar zoi bechinam. Say that. It's all good. I think that's what you were talking about yesterday. Chitzani is hamakif is much more glamorous. It's, you know, makif, you get everything. And <laughs> but it's chitzani. There's no price to pay. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no price to pay, right. Okay, the Pshalom, we später. Sieben Amen. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.